Hey guys, this is Kim with the Soul Sense Podcast, and I have my trusty wingman, Melvin, right here. Hola. Yes, and tonight we have a treat for you. We sat down and we spoke with author and licensed professional counselor, mental health counselor, C.N. Nash. Yes. And we talked about Christianity and mental health. It was a phenomenal interview and we definitely hope that you guys enjoy it. It blessed us. We enjoyed it and we hope that it enjoy, that you enjoy it as well. So take a listen. Thank you. I love it. Thank you, first of all, for having me on. I'm so excited about what y'all are doing. I love it. Like, <laughs> you all know, I love what you're doing. So thank you so much. Yeah. Hopefully this is one of one of many to come. We definitely uh, I was excited when Kimberly told me what you were doing. So can we start out? We're just kind of we'll play it loose, but um, we do just want to find out really a little bit about about yourself um yeah. starting off. so i'm an aquarius i like long walks on the beach no but <laughs> <laughs> no so i'm a i'm a licensed mental health professional so uh what that means is uh in the state of tennessee i am independently um able to to provide services mental health services to be exact and so um been in the game for like it'll be almost 13 years now and um just wow. fell in love with it something that and it's been a wow i can't believe like like it's been a long time I, I mean I just I fell in love I went to you know UT and I've always had fascination with um people people watching and everything and so um I got my degrees in psychology with a minor in child development and went on to pursue my uh, master's of science in uh, mental health counseling with a concentration in clinical mental health uh, which just allowed me to um really it was a wonderful program that actually allowed me to go more in depth um, about mental health. Um, my spectrum or my my model that we follow with um, the licensed professionals is the wellness spectrum, which I love just because if you think about it, everybody, everybody falls on this wellness spectrum. So on one end, you have wellness and on the other end, it's unwellness. What I love about the spectrum so much is that it doesn't discriminate because it's saying that everybody, meaning me, you, everybody, we fall somewhere along so there's no distinction and that's one thing i i love um especially when it comes to mental health because it is such a taboo topic and people unfortunately we have the stigma that you know only certain people experience mental health well no everybody in some shape or form can fall on this spectrum and does actually fall in because we all in some matter deal with mental health so that kind of helped to get me into the the background of mental health whereas i started writing about it and i've been a writer all of my life like i remember that that first poem, I was like, I was, I got locked out of, of my house because I forgot my key and I started writing poems just right off the bat. And this has had to be like first, first grade, second grade. And so I've always um, journaled. I've always uh, written just little things. I, I always enjoyed writing. And so um, it got into writing and writing with a, a, a purpose, you know, and it started off something being fun and cutesy and it really has involved um, taking just my experiences and stuff. Um, and just even my personal experiences and it kind of involved and so i specifically write about books that deal with mental health you may have said where are you from originally oh okay originally from memphis tennessee but i bounced around and that's part of i guess you could say some of my experiences 
and I live pretty much all over the South, but um, I went to a lot of schools. I had to move around a lot. And so that in a nutshell, I had to adjust really, really quickly. Um, I was actually introverted, still quite am, but I became, I guess you can say an extroverted introvert because, you know, my thing was um, I had actually anxiety. I had social anxiety and, but, you know, nobody wants to be that kid that's in the cafeteria, you know, sitting alone, you know? And so I, that was the day I became like the best politician. I started making friends that first day just because I wanted to avoid that social anxiety. So that was a way for me to get over my anxiety is I just kind of put myself out there. But um, yeah, originally I'm from Memphis, Memphis, Best Barbecue. <laughs> I know I'm saying that right. y'all That's right. <laughs> no, no, they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, and you, you touched on it a bit, but going into college, and because I remember, um, and by the way, you know, just to let everyone know that me and Nikki have a special bond, uh, C and Nash <laughs> have a special bond, um, because we all went to the University of Tennessee together. That's one, go Vols. Uh, yes. But this is my line sister, Delta Sigma yeah. Theta. And so um, I've always known, I mean, you for as long as I've known you, you've been a psychology major. So what like really inspired you to do that, go that path? I fell in love with it. It was, at first, it was just me enjoying being fascinated by people. I used to people watch a lot. Um, and I always been fascinated. And I always like wondered, you know, what's going on with them? Like, what, you know, what are they thinking? I did it out of amusement. Like, oh, I wonder what they're thinking. And then it really took on, really took on its own shape. Um, when I went out as, when I got my bachelor's, I immediately went out into the field and I started working and I definitely fell in love. I was a, I'm a, a family specialist um, at one of my jobs. And so that's when it really grew. I had opportunities to work at different places where it was still dealing with social services, but I always found myself gravitating specifically back towards mental health. It's just something that's always fascinated me. It's always been, I've always been passionate about it. I've always been curious about it, especially in the black minority communities, because there wasn't a lot of representation out, I would say. And so I wanted to expose, you know, cause we, and I, it's, it's a cultural thing. It's a, it's a lack of representation. It's a lack of knowledge. And so I wanted to be that connection to some of my families to say, Hey, let's talk about this. You know, um, even, in my family, you know, it's just something that it's just stuff that you just like, oh, that's just what it is. That's just life. You know, you just deal. And I've always been like, no, 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 you know, there's got to be another way to look at this too. And so I just wanted, I wanted to bridge that gap. And so it really involved into just this passion. Um, I'll even disclose what happened, uh, my own personal experience was that I, life happened. And that's why I like to phrase this because when we hear mental health, the word we like go, ooh, you know, and all the, the best way I can think of it is to say when life happens and life happens to everybody and life happened to me and I found myself facing depression. I had a lot of changes going on. Um, I, I was in between jobs. I was losing relationships. I like am what happened with me is that I, at that time, had my identity tied to these things. So the people that I was associating with, the job that I had, like all of these things, I was tying my identity. So when I lost all of those things, I was like, what is my identity now? Who am I now? I seriously began to question um, my identity. And that's when I hit depression. And that's when it became real. It's one thing I would say when you are 
you know, I've always been um, passionate about helping people and connecting and saying, hey, it's okay, it's okay. But when it personally hits home, it just changes you. It takes it to a, a different level. Um, and so now I'm like, no, not only do I can sympathize with other people, but I personally firsthand know what you're going through because this is my own story with mental health. And so after my own battle, and what the thing was, is I was using the skills that I was teaching my families. I was using these own skills. That's how I know it works because I use them with my own self and I was able to identify this is where you're at. This is what you need to do, you know? And so uh, my passion for mental health really, really grew after that. So then taking that a step further, what inspired you? Cause I know you have always been a writer. I remember you always being so detailed <laughs> and, and very, you know, I, I, I ain't gonna talk about that. But I, 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 when you, I remember when you started talking about writing a book many, many, many years ago, mm-hmm. it made sense, but what inspired you to write the mirroring effect? And just to yeah. give everybody a little background, this is an author that we're speaking to, C.N. Nash, and she has a wonderful book out. And I, I mean, I wouldn't even have brought you on. Uh, we wouldn't even be talking about the book if I did not believe that it was a good book. Thank you. It's a wonderful book. And I want you to talk about your motivation behind the book, why that you, you chose that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll let you just talk a little bit about the book. Yeah. And if, if you can just talk about what made you, um, like I said, to get to take this step to to start writing a book, I can only imagine takes a lot of faith. What what kind of led you to uh, yeah step out on faith and 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 start this journey? It, it's yeah, you have to step out on 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 faith. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you, so mirror effect. Um, to summarize, so it's about um, it's following a teenager, Desi, um, and she's a teenager. She's still living life. She's still doing what she got to do. She's doing it in the wake of her sister's suicide. And so um, the book is broken down through the five stages of grief. And when we think about grief, I want to say that grief is actually uh, can be experienced in other forms besides death. But I wanted to take grief just because it's probably the most related. When you think about grief, you think about death. And I wanted to use suicide specifically just because it was it's very, very like extreme. And I wanted to make a point with that. Um, but she's still a teenager. And that's why I wanted to share the, the normalcy of still being you, but still going through something. And so what started out was I, I had the idea like, years years back i sat on it though and it started out being cutesy that's like um i was i remember being in a meeting and being around grown women at that time and i remember looking up and saying are we in high school you know and so it started out being kind of cutesy where i kind of want to poke fun on kind of like the mean girl phenomenon that even as grown adults women sometimes we still can exhibit that and it evolved after one, I start going through my own depression, but two, I start losing family members. Every year I was losing at least one family member. And um, I had to go through my own stages of grief and I had to go over it over again and over again, you know, because they were just coming back to back. And I started like, really like, Lord, what's going on? The beauty from ashes, um, I can say from that is that during that process, my relationship with God grew. So nothing was in vain. And he gave me a different perspective. Um, he helped to, to see it from a different way where I still had to heal through my emotions, but 
he he just blessed me to to take it to a different level and say well let's let's look at it like this and let's let me heal you through this manner and that book was my healing process to get all of those emotions out so the book was completed but i i wanted to add to it because i wanted to talk about the the different emotions like how one day in one particular day you can experience just a a, a variety of emotions how you're still grieving but at the same time you still laugh how is that possible? We think, no, because you're human and because you're still having life after death, you know? And it was important for me to show that with Desi, especially a teenager who she thought she had it all together. So many times as we as human beings, we think we know certain things. We think we, we're comfortable, you know? And when something happens to shake us up, like again, it shakes up our identity. It shakes up, you know, well, this is what I thought, but now something comes in with new information that's contradicting everything I thought. How do I react to that? How do I deal with that? And am I still me? And in the end, I say that she loses herself to try and find out more about her sister, but she still comes back full circle and she realizes a new level about herself. And that was very important for me to show because that had been my own process, uh, but also the process I know with others. Um, and so that's kind of how the book spurned about. Um, I sat on that book for years. The book had been completed years ago and I sat on it and I'm going to be honest, it was because of fear. It was because of, um, I actually pitched the book out to agents and I got rejected and I began questioning myself and I was like, well, maybe this ain't what I'm supposed to do. And God kept like being God saying like, don't sleep on yourself. You know, don't sleep on yourself. Don't sleep on the talent I bless you with. Put the book out. And I realized that in order for me to tell the story and to show people the vision I had in my head, I was going to have to do it myself. And now I understand why I had to go through that process. And I self-published the book and I'm so grateful I did that. And looking back, I, I'm glad I did it no other way but to self-publish because I got to share the vision that I had in my head with the world and it came out exactly like I, I wanted it to. But yeah, that that was a, a definitely a process but yeah okay um one thing well first off I, I absolutely love the book I recommend it to everyone and to and to be honest with you it is the book that was the catalyst to get me back into reading again oh, so wow. I, I read your book and I was I, I had started it you know you start a book you put it in yeah. you start you yeah. know I just committed to reading it and I got back into a habit of reading. And so I just, I have recommended it to my mom, my aunts, all of that. So, but you mentioned something, you mentioned something while you were talking about it. You were just talking about, you know, it being a everyday struggle and how we all go yeah. through many different levels. I want you to talk about, tell us what your take is about when it comes to our society and mental health. And then also just the stigma that's just over it. Like, what are you seeing and what are some of the barriers that people are having with it? And so I guess my perspective is because I see it every day. 
it to me is normal because I see okay. it come out. It's, it's normal to me, but to get into the mindset of the person who I'm sitting across, I have to be sympathetic because I understand a lot of times when I, when I'm seeing people, this is the first time in counseling and they're automatically thinking, which is another reason what th- goes back to the stigma, the fear thing. They think that one, something's wrong with me. And more specifically, the term crazy and insane comes out specifically in my book. I say the word crazy a lot because I'm trying to take that negative connotation from crazy and I want to play it my way. Uh, we have just, we, when we say crazy, it means like, huh, you know, especially in the minority crazy. Well, I'm not crazy. You know, well, no, you're not crazy. You're human. You're just dealing with life right now. The thing with, with stigma uh, is stigma is, and I'm going to break down my definition of a stigma. Stigma is that misbelief. It's that misrepresentation. It's that that misconcept that says um, something that's really not true. And so uh, the stigma about mental health would tell you that um, you're crazy, that something's seriously wrong with you, that um, you're alone. That's another, another big one is that the stigma will isolate you. And I look at this as the stigma, I look at the stigma as enemy, right? And so the enemy's purpose is to divide and conquer. So if I can get you to think you're alone, how likely are you going to ask for help when you really need it? Not likely, you know? And so stigma is very, very powerful. So my one thing coming off the bat is I want to normalize it for you. I want to say, you know what? You're human. You're dealing with life. Everybody deals with life in some shape. It may look differently from person to person, but everybody deals with life. I'm going to take it a step further, if you don't mind. specifically when it comes to minorities, but specifically when it comes to the Christian community. I'm really, really big on talking about mental health in the Christian community, just because I know for a fact, if you are a Christian, even scripture says, prepare for a battle. You're going to face some type of battle. So right off the bat, if you tell me that you you are spiritual and that you practice some type of spirituality, I know right off the bat that you're facing some type of battle however big, however small, you're facing something. And so that's even my more motivation to be like, okay, let's definitely talk because let's rap about it. Cause I know life is definitely happening to you. It may be looking different from mine, but I know for a fact you're dealing with some type of life. And so it was, it's always been important for me to, especially using the book to show how like my character, Desi, I think she's normal. I think she's a typical teenager and she's a somebody that we can all relate to just to show that, you know what, you can still be going through something and still nothing's necessarily wrong with you. You're not crazy. You're just human. And you may be facing some things and you may, you know, you may have a lot of emotions that you're, you're feeling. That's actually a part of a life um, where I come into play as a therapist is when I see that the things that you're going through is starting to have a direct negative impact on other areas of your life. That's the difference between, I would say, uh, where we start getting into a disorder. And I use these words carefully just because I want to normalize it. Um, there are some clinical terms that, you know what, I don't even like like to like use clinical terms because it kind of already throws people on edge. But that's when are getting into that's when I would definitely recommend a therapist for you or that's when I'll say okay you definitely need support additional support but yeah it's like that's the thing that I just I want to normalize um is and is that one everybody goes through it and it's okay I mean like all of the emotions that Christ went through I mean he if you think about it practically I'm sure he was paranoid you know he had people trying to kill him 
the time. And he knew right. it. You know what I'm saying? He had yeah. somebody, his inner circle, somebody he knew that was going to, you know, rat him out and, and, and deceive him. Right. I mean, all the things that would come with that anxiety, you know, depression, right. paranoia. The grief. All, yeah, grief. Right. You know, we, lost we, we know no. like in Luke, it talks about how he was so grieved where he was sweating blood. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, like seriously, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Christ went through those things as well. And so I, that's a yeah. good point. I never thought about that. So, um, and that's why I bring spirituality into it. Yes. Um, that's, that's why it ties. It makes sense. You know? Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what else. So I wanted to kind of be a little open and honest. You were open a little bit about, you know, your, your struggle with it you know, with depression. And I want to just talk a little bit yeah. about what I struggle with a little bit and I'll make it really brief. I've always been a person for all my listeners. You probably may can tell or may not can tell. I'm a type a type of person and always been what I consider an own edge type of person. Even as a child, I can recall things like that. It really was something that I just kind of thought that, you know, like growing up, my family would just say, she's just emotional. That's what they would say. Okay. You know, she's just emotional, you know, and I always just thought that, you know, and I, I kind of was ashamed of that because everyone in my family, no one shows emotion. So me crying mm -hmm. was something that was different, you know, for everybody in my family. So going into college, entering into nursing school, oh my mm -hmm. gosh. I mean, like the whole process, the whole process of nursing in general is just something that send you over the edge. It's very hard to get wow. into the programs. The programs normally only hold so many seats and going to UT mm -hmm. also dealing with racism. They didn't allow many minorities in out of a hundred students. Uh, maybe like six of us were black. And wow. many of us were like, you know, they were trying to weed us out. I mean, that, and that was, that wasn't something imagined. It was something that was a very real thing. So you were constantly feeling like you were on your own. And then there's also this high pressure for all nursing students to pass. Like you can fail out. You could only, our, our grading scale was higher than the school scale. And what would be considered failing for us was a C for everyone else. And if you failed two classes, you were out of the program. And wow. then on top of that, we had these tests that we would have to take every year. And then the last year was the comprehensive one. And if you did not pass it, you failed. You could not graduate. And you could have had an A in the class, but you failed that test. You cannot walk. And that's exactly what happened to me. I got so wow. I got so worked up about I got to pass this test. I got to pass this test. I developed test anxiety to a point where I could not even read the question as I was sitting at a t at the table on the computer. I, all I could hear was my heartbeat in my ear. It was just so much pressure. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. the thoughts would run through my head. If I don't pass this, what am I going to do? What's my backup plan? You know? And so yeah. actually when I graduated, I walked, but they gave me an incomplete and I had to, I had, they allowed you three times, two times while we were in school. The second time you got the incomplete and then you got one more time after graduation. If you failed that, then you had, you got an F for the, the class. In that class, I had an A. That would have made me automatically have an F. And so on the third and final try, 
I passed in June and was able to get my degree in August, you know, conferred in August. So it started there, just taking standardized tests, you mm. know, and <laughs> went on, did, you know, other stuff. And I think at that point I was able to keep it under wraps, but then it surfaced again once I became a mother. And the thought of having lives in your hand and I have never felt so much out of control as I do as a parent. You know, you just can't, you know, you'll wake up one day and your kids are just sick. You know what I'm saying? They have a fever. They're, you know, and it's like there's, there's, you try so much to prevent it, but it still happens. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, your kid can go to school and fall off the swing and you get this call at work. And then just the thought of it, you know, and then I think, I definitely had some issues with my oldest, you know, because I had a little bit of, I didn't have postpartum depression, but I did have postpartum blues. Um, Just, Mm -hmm. I mean, to a point where like when at night I couldn't sleep, I'd be exhausted, but I couldn't sleep because I would think that she was dying. (laughs) I mean, I literally, Mm -hmm. she would make a noise and I would hop out of the bed and run over there to see. It was just, it was a lot. It was a big transition. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I believe it had a lot to do with my pregnancy and hormones, but You know, it really was, it came to a head when I had my second child. When I had my second child, there were a lot of transitions. My oldest was going into school, like maybe a month after I had my baby. Um, She was used Mm -hmm. to being the only child, and we are having to deal with her behavior. We're still trying to deal with her behavior and the adjustment of Mm -hmm. it all. You know, my blood pressure was sky high. I had to be put on blood pressure medicine. And, um... It did not normalize. I had that same issue with my first child, but it did not normalize as quickly as it did the first time. So that made me get all upset, you know. And Mm -hmm. so it ended up after months and months, we realized that my blood pressure was not staying up because of that. It was staying up because of Mm -hmm. my worry and my anxiety. And I kid you not, my, 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 my doctor was getting ready to add another medicine. And I told her, when I'm at home taking my blood pressure, it's fine. But Mm -hmm. as the days approach that I'm coming to see you, I can feel myself getting on edge because I know Mm -hmm. you're going to take my blood pressure. And I don't want to be on this medicine. I'm worrying about it. And literally, my blood Mm -hmm. pressure would be like 110 over 60. The day before, it would be 150 over 90. Wow. And then I would go in there. I went in there. It was like 180 over 90. Just nervous, sweating, just sweating in the office. And as I'm talking to her, she was like asking me, do you think that you have anxiety? You know, do you feel like you're depressed? She started asking me these questions. And when I tell you, I immediately, it was like I was disarmed by just talking about it. You know, it immediately, my blood pressure, like I, I just took a breath. After we talked and we, she decided it wasn't depression, it was anxiety. She was like, oh. you know, we started talking. And, you know, the thing is, statistically, um, healthcare professionals, we run with a lot of high anxiety. That's just one of the things. Then also, um, as, after we talked about it, she took my blood pressure again, and it had dropped down to 120 over 80 just by talking about it. Just by talking wow. about it. And so she started me on a low dose of something for uh, anxiety. And I went on a journey myself personally 
to be the best that I can be. So having mm-hmm. healthy habits, changing my lifestyle, trying to eat as best as I can. I picked up running heavily, you know, and I will have to say when I went into her office, my words were this. I feel like my brain is a fog. I cannot think. I feel so disorganized in my brain. Like I have piling on of thoughts. And when I started the medicine, I tell you, I felt like my brain in a sense slowed down so I could start processing things. Mm -hmm. So when things would come, I could clearly think through it. And so it really, it really helped. And I can, I am and at this point, I have now been taking completely off my blood pressure medicine. God has healed me of that. And I'm now working on getting off my anxiety medicine because I am looking into finding a counselor because I want to do the work. I don't want to just put on a, on a bandage. I want to know how to cope through this stuff. So I wanted to give that and be, you know, that is my honest to God truth. And I can tell, I can say one thing, just talking about it unarmed me, unarmed my, like the walls came down mentally. So, um, Melvin, you kind of been a little quiet over there. You've been hearing us ramble <laughs> and stuff like that. Us little hens just anything you want to add any questions and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you talked about just how you see these things in uh, uh, in the realm of faith. Like um, one thing that I had had kind of noticed, at least in myself, and and even amongst, especially guys, you know, mm-hmm. who are Christians, is that it is sometimes hard to give a lot of credence to things like mental things because we can't really mm-hmm. see them or touch them. Um, I remember, especially being younger just having a lot of, I don't know, just, is that, can you hear me, Nikki? I can hear you. Okay, sorry. Sorry, guys, Uh, we had some technical difficulties to look like, but anyway, um, yeah, have you had experience, or do you have any, anything to say to the point of, like, seeing people having a resistance to giving credence to someone else's mental problems or mental uh, struggles with mental health, you know, like going to share with a preacher or some sort Mm -hmm. of person in, in, in the church and having maybe a negative reaction or maybe not a, I don't know, just not being super accepting of it. Does that make sense? Um, Yes. And it's the, the Christian community, it's, it's a cultural thing. I, I can say uh, I've seen change. I've seen a lot of growth and a lot of progress in, in the, the openness when we talk about it. However, there's still some reservedness there. Part of that, I have to go back to being human. One thing I see across the board um, specifically is um, people that we don't want to be judged. First of all, I have to, one, it's a, it's a privilege and an honor anybody who I have seen who has come to me because, um, one, I know they didn't have to come to me. Two, it's so courageous. One, I want to go back. Kim, thank you for sharing your story. I got to say that and I got to say it over because it's people like you that I'm just so grateful for because it's going to take people like you, normal people. Again, I want to toss in this normal and say how normal when life happens, but it's going to take more of our voices to speak up so that we can say it's, it's not a, it's not, it's not a 
a weird thing. It's not a, it's not a, a rare thing. It's just life happens. And so I have to take out, I have to consider the hesitancy I get because one, people don't want to be judged when they come to the door. They're, they're usually vulnerable. They're usually like at a very challenging and uncertain point in their life. So I want to take the ease off of them. Um, even especially in the, in the Christian community. So one, I want to assure them, you're not going to be judged. One is not my place, especially in the Christian community, not to judge because even Jesus do not judge. So I want to re reiterate that um, the hesitancy is one. Um, a lot of times people don't want to be judged. Two, I think people are still trying to figure out how mental health comes into play with Christianity. I love spiritual counseling. When I start working on, I had all the tools in the world. When I went through my depression, I had all the tools. I think what helped me from getting so deep is that I was able to recognize right off the bat, Nicole, you're, you're, you're showing signs of depression. So that helped me from going really, really deep. However, even me using the best skills, okay, it, uh, it wasn't until I actually invited Christ back into my life that I really saw, you know, the turnabout. And so my thing is what I want to share with people, especially my saints, is that I believe in prayer. Everything I do, it is is Christ-centered, but I believe in the treatment plan. Faith without works is dead. I always come with scripture. So when I'm when I'm talking spiritually with Christians, I come with I come with facts. First of all, even in regular counseling. I want to come with statistics anyway, because, you know, facts, people like facts, but I have the truth, which is the ultimate fact. I have the Bible. So everything I do is scripture based, you know, so I come with the scripture. I show the examples where we talk about mental health by the renewing of your mind. Okay. Everything. There's a lot of scriptures about the mind in there. Um, there's a lot of scriptures about emotions, guard your heart, you know, from which that's what I, I use that because I believe in that. And so the hesitancy is one, you know, people don't want to be judged, but two, I think people, again, they, they're really trying to figure out how does this come? If I use counseling, does that mean I don't trust God? No. You know, Jesus is the ultimate counselor, is he not? We call him. That's one of his titles you know, counselor, you know, I am the firm believer though, that God put people in this role as a therapist for a reason. We all need support. And so when we kind of take off that shame and when we kind of take off that, that, oh, I have to have it all together. No, no. And so I am very blunt. I know for a fact you're going through something. I don't know what it is, but I know you're going through something just because I'm going through it too, because I, I declared that Jesus Christ is my Lord. You know, when I, when I put it like that, and when I even show that transparency cam that you've shown, when I come out, like, come on, you know, let's wrap. And um, that's when I do see um, people open up. Also, and it's been my last, I've been doing a lot of couples therapy lately. And one of my couples, oh my God, so grateful that they said this. A lot of their hesitation was they didn't know what to expect. Um, there's a lot of preconceived notions about therapy, especially, you know, what, like, what do I do? What do you do? Like, you know, and I, you know, I, I say, I'm, I don't know all the answers. I'm not the expert. I'm just a God. And that kind of takes the pressure off. Also to know that, no, you're not sitting on the couch, even though if you want to sit on the couch, that's fine. But you know, we're not sitting on the couch and I'm saying, mm -hmm, okay, I'm taking off these preconceived notions yeah. that people have. I want to sit on the couch. <laughs> you can sit on the couch. <laughs> it's comfortable, you know? So I'm not like, but I, it, it's a lot of times it's, we have these preconceived notions. So right off the bat, I come in, my goal is to make everyone feel comfortable because you're, you know, because I, I appreciate that trust, you know, and it is a trust thing too. You know, who's going to talk to a complete stranger? 
you know, so I have to take those things into consideration too. And so it's really, it's about building that relationship, which you would do with anybody before you tell, just blab everything out. You want to be able to know, trust that person. So it's, it's, it's a matter of just recognizing, you know, who that person is, but also I, like I said, the scripture is true. And so as long as I, you know, I come with it with, with scripture, men, I have to like Melvin, I do want to get your insight about this too, but you know, men are, they process differently from women, you know, and men are extremely reserved when it comes to counseling, when it comes to talking, when it comes to being open, you know? And so even when I'm um, having male clients, you know, I, Jesus wept. Is that not a scripture? Jesus wept. You know, Jesus, who's like a lion of Judah, he wept and stuff. So taking even that back to, to um, the table to say it's okay. And you can actually incorporate your faith and mental health, you know, um, and using the evidence to support while the two actually really do go together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it has been a bit of a, a journey. I am not a, um, I, I think that I am, I am more able to be in touch emotionally with someone else and to empathize with someone else emotionally than I am uh, myself. Kimberly agreed. laughs all the time. Agreed. Like, <laughs> she said agreed. Like I am, I am a really, I'm like, I'm pretty emotionally immature in terms of, being in in touch with with my own emotions but it's not it's not out of lack of willingness um like you Mm -hmm. know I don't cry right Mm -hmm. but it is not because I don't think it's like I don't care if if I I wish I could like there are times where Mm -hmm. I will be thinking about something or what like you know seeing something on tv or something like that and I feel the emotions that I I presume that people would have when they cry and I just don't, I don't, it just, nothing comes. Um, I, and mm-hmm. I'm a, and even just in general, like I'm a really flat person. Like I don't get super excited about a lot of things. I don't get really um, sad. At least, you know, I don't get what people would call really sad about a lot of things. And so from the way I've always felt about myself was like, emotionally I'm pretty like, stable and in in check but um maybe what like a year ago maybe about a year ago I just had a bunch of stuff going on in my life like Kimberly had just had uh Farrah and no 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 no. this was before Fallon this is when I got to broke out oh it was Fallon Kimberly had just had Fallon and um I had just so much stuff going on at work and um I just, like, I broke out in hives. Itching hives. Mm -hmm. And she hadn't had, Mm -hmm. had you had had her yet, or you had just? No, the first time you did it was before, first time it happened when I I was in your life was when I was out to that conference, and you had a big project at work. Okay, yes, that was the first time I broke out in hives, and it just happened that one time, Mm -hmm. and Kimberly was like, you should go and talk to somebody, figure something out, and I was just like, yeah. You know, it's just hives. I'm okay. And yeah. it went away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, but this last time, I broke out in hives, and it would not go away. I mean, it was miserable. And I could not sleep, at, like, mm. and I could not, like, it just was so much on me. And I, I couldn't, you know, it just was, 
getting unbearable to the point that mm. me and Kimberly finally just sat down and talked about some things. And she just started asking me questions about, now, I thought that I'm never anxious. I don't worry about anything. I'm, I'm cool, calm, and collected. And she asked me, like, basic questions like, hey, do you ever feel like a lot of pressure or a lot on you? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he's like, yeah, don't everybody? I, and and <laughs> yeah. all these questions that she asked me, and then I was like, okay, I'll go talk to the doctor. And I started talking to my doctor as well, and it, the same thing happened. It, it, the questions she would ask me, that should have been indicative of maybe this mm. one little flash of anxiety. It started to occur to me, like, this is my entire life. Like, this is how I live. There's never a point in time where I don't feel impending doom. Something's coming around the corner. There's never wow. a point in my life that I don't feel like if I'm not on guard, something will drop or, some, you know, it just was a... And when I started thinking about it, I started to feel overwhelmed. Oh, my gosh. Like, this is life. And, um, you know, I started taking medication. And honestly, I don't feel any different. Like, I can tell a difference. Yeah. I can tell a difference. Because I, I didn't feel, like I said, back then, I didn't feel like I was overwhelmed. It was only until I started mm. talking about it that I was like, oh, wow, man, that's bad. But I definitely... You know, Kimberly says she sees a difference, yes. but, you know, just as a guy speaking from my own experience, it wasn't necessarily that I didn't want to, you know, I just wasn't used to digging that deep when it, I'm used to helping other, you know, I'm grew up with just my mom primarily, and I'm used to being mo emotional support for emotional people where, and I didn't necessarily have the liberty to go down that trail like I had to be strong and I think that's how a lot of guys feel you know it's like we got to yeah. be strong and you get into that habit to where you know I in my relationship definitely Kimberly definitely gives me the freedom to be weak but I just don't even know how to really necessarily deal with it like how to how to be emotionally weak or available and that's why I say you know I'm I'm probably like the emotional age or like a toddler or something when it comes to dealing with my own. And it was funny when he came back. Well, not funny, but it was just like, <laughs> I was like, wow, because he came back and he, from the doctor and I was like, so what do y'all decide to do? And he was like telling me some of the questions that she was asking. And it was like, you know, when he started talking, talking about impending doom or things like that. And I was like, that's not normal. I was like, you do you do you understand? Like that's not something that at what we have created as normal is not normal. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we have accepted something that's not normal, you know? And I right. was like, I am the most emotional, most on edge type of person, and I have moments of like high happiness. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not always there. You're just, you should never just be there in that space. And when he was telling me that, I was like, oh, yes, you did the right thing. You you did the right thing. Mm -hmm. No, I don't ever have impending doom. And you, and I, I, I was like, I wish we could have gotten this taken care of sooner. And I do see a big difference in him, just in his demeanor. And I think a lot of times, we, I mean, even we were talking about it, because even when I counsel my patients, like, I think people think depression is the, woe is me, I'm crying yeah. all the time. It doesn't, yeah. do, it's not like that with everybody. And actually, 
a lot of people that I've seen, that's that's not the majority of people. A lot of times it's apathy. Yeah. It's not mm. wanting to do things that would normally bring right. you pleasure. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or not wanting to go places, you know, not wanting to mm-hmm. be around the people that you know you love, you know? And it's just, you just, yeah, just like that's because when I talk to patients, yeah. that's how they are. They're like, Meh. yeah, yeah, I can mm-hmm. take it or leave yeah. it. And thank you for saying that too. And thank you for sharing that too, Melanie. And it's a lot of it too, I'm recognizing, is it's the lack of connection. Like we're like, like we're not able to to connect. Wait a minute, this is a sign of so and so because we either it has become a norm or we think it's something that you know it's just oh isn't that part of isn't that you know what what should happen but also we're not connecting like the clinical term that's why I like to leave the clinical terms out because I'm like apathy what you know some people like apathy yeah you know versus do you not just there's no interest do you not care that's my thing and like how I, I usually describe like depression too is you know a lot of times people thinking it's like all these things when I'm like you know talk about for example i'll say you know let's say you're in bed and the bed is comfortable and you know you kind of just want to stay in bed and it's okay if you just continue to stay in the bed you know i'm like you know doing questions and asking questions that you know to you know to take it down a notch um to make people you know kind of connect to like oh maybe this is what i'm going through maybe you know anxiety could it be a shortness you feel like a shortness of breath do you feel like oh i'm worried all the time do you feel like your thoughts are racing all the time or you you keep wondering about certain persistent that's in clinical terms that's persistent thoughts you know but so i like to take the textbook out of it and put it in a way because i recognize that sometimes it's we're not able to connect to this is what it really looks like on the day-to-day and kim you actually saying that thank you for saying this we can have one we can have depression and it looks completely different in different people. Thank you for saying that because we see so much of textbook. We see so much, especially on social media. I'd say, unfortunately, when it comes to social media, when we do see evidence of, of like somebody who's dealing with some type of mental health issue, it's usually the severe. It's usually the extreme. It's usually they have not been seen, seen anybody receive any kind of support or medication in a long time. And we're seeing a severe example of mental health. And so what I find too is people are like, oh, well, I'm not like that. So there's nothing wrong with me. I'm like, well, maybe you're not like that right now. However, if you continue to let this go unchecked, who knows what we could be looking at. So thank you for making making that point. And yeah, one thing about the body I would say, I love the body. So there's five areas um, or domains and we can get, I don't know if you want to get into now, but like there's always, I look into the five domains, life domains to see, you know, are we dealing with, okay, maybe we need a little bit more support. And one of them is the body. One beautiful thing about the body is it's physical. The body will always let us know when something's wrong. The body will always let us know when it's in distress because the body is designed to survive. And so the body actually puts up warning signs. I realized it was something really, really small that I checked into. So I do what's called an emotional thermometer. And that's on a scale of one to a zero to 10. I use a certain emotion, let's say anxiety. And I say, okay, what, where are you at your zero? Probably you're fine. Where are you at your 10? Your 10 being I'm full out. That's the most severe, you know? And I realized when, um, when it came to stress, my number four, meaning I'm not even there yet, was my eye starts twitching. Something as small as an eye twitch. It took me years to discover that when my eye twitches, that's a sign that, Nicole, your body's in distress. You're actually stressed out. And if you let it go unchecked, you're going to say, you know what? I'm about to, you know, <laughs> up in here, up in here. You know, that's my like, okay, I'm about to just go act a plum fool around here. But it took something as a tiny twitch 
for in years to let help help me to kind of discover wait a minute nicole check into your body so one of the things i always say is look at your body look at your body and pay attention to your body because it's going to let you know each and every time when something's up i wanted to uh share a couple of scriptures because these were some these are some scriptures that i cling to and for anyone who you know, is a believer and you're struggling with the stigma of mental health, you know, I want, I want to share uh, two scriptures that I cling to and my reason for it. Um, the first one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, starting in verse 7. Um, and this is the NLT version. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And the reason why I cling to that, um, I cling to that one in many areas of my life, but definitely in this area because being a believer, being a disciple of God, I am so unashamed of anything about me. Hmm. Like I, I really am, you know, I have been redeemed. All that has been cleared. <laughs> and the reason why I committed all that stuff to begin with is because I didn't have the Holy spirit in my life, you know, but I got the hmm. Holy spirit. There is no shame in love in perfect love. And so, I mean, I don't hold any shame. And it's funny cause I was talking to my mom today and she was, she had said something about me like sharing something. And I, and she was like, you don't mind if other people know about that stuff. I said, no. I mean, the only reason I even hold back a little bit, if I feel that the other person is not ready to receive, you know what I'm saying? Right. But when it comes to me, I am so unashamed. I am an open book because this scripture right here, you know, it says that his grace is sufficient for you. It says that his power works best in weakness. Mm -hmm. So that means that we have to mm -hmm. embrace our weakness for his power to really be at its best, you know? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I'm just like Paul that says, like, I delight in all this because by me being weak, I'm strong because God is in me, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm so unashamed. And I, it's a, it's a journey. It's a process because you do have this in the back of your head. Like, I don't want people to judge me. You know what I'm saying? I don't want people to think that I'm less than, you know, I've had to, mm -hmm. as an African woman, I have had to go through the imposter syndrome and all these different things that, you know, you can go through, you know, that you're just trying to get over. And I just, my, my journey is to set it free. So that's one scripture that I can suggest to people, you know, and you can use that for anything that you're struggling with. You know, I actually did an in-depth study on what the, that thorn was for Paul. And some people said that it was a physical thing. Some people think it was a mental thing. We don't really know what that thorn was for him particularly, but it was something that he, he couldn't get rid of, you know? So that's one scripture. And then the next and final scripture that I'm going to share is in Isaiah 40, yeah. Isaiah 38. And um, 
I'm starting, it's going to be verse 14, um, but it says, My eyes grew tired of looking to heaven for help. I am in trouble, Lord, help me. But what can I say? For he himself sent this sickness. Now I will walk humbly throughout my years because of this anguish I have felt. Lord, your discipline is good, for it leads to life and health. You restore my health and allow me to live. Yes, this anguish was good for me, for you have rescued me from death and forgiven all my sins. For the dead cannot praise you. They cannot raise their voices in praise. Those who go down to the grave can no longer hope in the faithfulness. Only the living can praise you as I do today. Each generation tells your faithfulness to the next. Think of it. The Lord is ready to heal me. I will sing his praises with instruments every day of my life in the temple of the Lord. And I love this because the king who is making this praise, you know, he was facing death, you know, and we can think of what our parallel to that could be. But at the end of the day, once he was healed of it or he got over the hump, us getting over our humps, he did not forget where he was and what God had brought him to. And so, you know, again, praising for the struggles that you've gone through and what you have faced. And these are a couple of scriptures that I cling to when it comes to my mental health and being unashamed of it, you know? Yeah, that's cool. You got anything, Melly? Um, Yeah, I I will just uh, button on to one point that Nikki made, um, you know, bringing Christ back into her life, um, was was she she described that as like a pivotal point or a point of growth i think um it's really important to note that you know i think ultimately there that's the combination right because we got to work on our whole self it's like a holistic approach i think um and and that's something that doing the work is something that i struggle with when it comes to you know, this whole mental health thing, you know, it was already big enough for me to start taking medication. But um, doing the, the, I can do manual work all day long. I can learn things and all that. But um, it's it's a struggle for me to to really dig in and, and, and try to process the things that, that produce this anxiety that I have or depression that I, that I have that I still don't know if I have, but anyway, uh, (laughs) but so it's hard for me to do the work on, on the, on on that side, but also in my spiritual walk, um, you know, it definitely, I, I focused on growing spiritually in that area when I was feeling like the physical effects, you know, it was a, a quick reminder, you know, when I'm breaking out and itching, and all that kind of stuff, but just on my day to day, you know, I don't always look at that as something to be refining, something to be taken care of from a spiritual perspective. Have you, what what type of tools or or how did you, or or did you did you take any steps spiritually to kind of get you uh, along with the the other counseling? Um, to get you past your your point of depression, Nikki? Um, the spiritual part of it, just uh, prayer and meditation. In fact, uh, meditation actually um, is, is therapeutic and it's spiritual too. Um, so taking time out 
to to focus on 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 those things the key scriptures i had key scriptures um in fact i had a um actually i came across it the other day is i created um using index cards a little booklet and um it was color coded so when i felt you know when i needed hope i needed to go to the pink section when i needed you know joy i went to certain sections but those were all scriptures and i would marinate on those scriptures but also they were actually or action-oriented scriptures too like faith without works is dead okay works works what are you doing where you do you know things like that um, set your eyes above, you know, those are all like, if you look at scriptures that actually have instructions and, you know, a lot of parts of the verses. And so I would use those things to kind of um, combine the spirituality with the, you know, the, the therapeutic tools. So I would I meditate. I would pick out a certain verse and I would just focus on that. And that would be part of my meditation. That would be part of my prayer. And, but also as far as, um, I think you asked about tools, specific tools. Mm -hmm. Did I hear that? correctly yes okay as far as tools talking supports i just find that support system um so uh, finding that that circle and these are people who they weren't even professional at the point at this point they were just regular people one of, of my line sisters <laughs> uh, valeria i called her <laughs> And I, I, I brag on her all the time and I had to mention her in my book is acknowledge her because she always seemed to know when to call me. And she would just be like, Nikki Nash, Nikki Nash, you know, and she was, <laughs> and I'm so grateful to her for, you know, to this day, I'm so grateful for her. So finding that support, as far as um, additional tools, I can run the gamut. My go-to tools. I'm really big on mindfulness. Mindfulness is a form of meditation. Um, the simplest thing is grounding yourself. And that's simply like you can literally grounding means you're being present focused. And something as simple as I plant my feet to the ground and I just acknowledge and I kind of, and I go through what is the ground feel like? What am I sensing? I use all of my senses. Um, that has worked when I get like performance anxiety or if I'm getting like overwhelmed by my racing thoughts or whatever, I use something like that to say, and it helps me to get off of the things that are in my head and focus what's in front of me and, and to appreciate, you know, the blessings that are in front of me. Um, so that's something that I would say just right off the bat, deep breathing. I do a lot of deep breathing. Um, that, that has always helped um, centers. Um, it slows down the heart. Um, so that's another tool. The emotional thermometers. I'm really big on not only using that for myself, but I, that's one of the heavy tools I use. So again, I literally, like if you think of a thermometer, the purpose of a thermometer is to gauge how hot or cold the room is, correct? And so what I'll do is from zero to 10, um, the thing is, a lot of times people say, oh, I just go, I go to 100. I just go straight to 10. I say, actually, no, you don't. You know, you go from one to two and two to three and three to four. You may go rapidly, but it's still there. And so what I, I always do is I tell people to start putting down your physical cues on paper. Um, sometimes we have to start at 10. So let's say, for instance, your 10 is your blackout. You don't want to blackout. That's your 10. So we try to avoid your 10s. Well, what happens before you blackout? Maybe you start like pacing really, really heavily. You start talking rapidly. Okay, maybe that's your nine. Then what's your eight? And what's your seven? And the goal is, is I always try to tell people to zone in on their five, meaning your five is, is right in the middle. That's your opportunity to either take it up to a 10 or take it back down to a zero. And the goal is, let's say your five is, um, I begin to fidget, something slight. That lets me know when, and it lets, you know, maybe your spouse know when that person's starting to fidget, check in on them. You okay? Hey, boo. 
how you doing? You know, that's just a check-in. Also, I like to, um, you can expand it to include well, where the thoughts you're thinking too, because again, it's all in the mind. Um, our body will act out what's in the mind. And so Tom, and so if you want to expand it, put, okay, it's your five when you're starting to fidget. What's going on? Where are you thinking? Oh, well, I realized I had this to-do list and I'm nowhere near it. You know, things like that. And you'll start to see patterns. You'll start to see things like that. And so that's a definitely, I use, that's one of my favorite things to, to give and to use. And because I'm a writer, I have to leave off with I journal. I journal almost every day. Um, I journal when I study the Bible. I study when the scripture, and, you know, that's the time where God, you know, talks to us. It's when we read his word. And so as I'm reading the word, I'm writing down what he's speaking to me. And, um, and it helps me to kind of organize my thoughts too. So those are some definitely um, some techniques. That's good. That's good. Well, this has been a very insightful conversation and I I would definitely love to have you back for other talks and uh, I don't know, maybe we can call it the couch combo. I don't know. I'm so, I'm so corny like that. (laughs) I'm so corny. I like it. (laughs) But anyways, thank you again, Nikki. CNH. I see. I just want to call you Nikki. That's what I call you. You have uh, any handles or anything like that or any, anything you want to share? How can we get the book? How can we reach out and contact you? Are you speaking anywhere? Let us, let us know what's up. So yes, so Marion Effect, um, you can easiest way to get it on Amazon online. However, um, you can purchase it at a bookstore. You can order it through a bookstore. It is available that way. I do ask, if you don't see it in your bookstore, please talk to the manager and ask. Um, you can ask for something that's called shortlist. Um, and that's basically where the manager will say, okay, I'll order a couple of copies to see how it does. And if it does well, I'm going to keep it in my bookstore. And so that's the thing. My goal is I want to get this book in every bookstore and I want to get this book in, in the schools, especially for our teens, because it's, it's just, it's, it's a way to educate men, um, people about mental health without being like in your face and intimidating. Um, but yeah, you can purchase the book there. My website is www.thecnnash.com. That's T-H-E-C-N-N-A-S-H.com. I am on all social medias except, um, what's that stuff y'all? Okay, so I'm on, no. So I'm not going to say I'm on all. So I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook, just CNNash or at VCNNash and YouTube, my YouTube channel. Um, that's a very, very cool channel. You can either go on my website or you can go on YouTube to do videos. I do educational videos where I talk about depression and grief and communication skills. So I'm giving like counseling tips. Um, um, just every, yeah, just like randomly. So definitely check that out. Um, I'm actually working on the sequel right now to mirror effect. In fact, um, right before I got on, I was writing and the only thing that made me stop is that I remember I get to talk to y'all, but I'm really, I'm really into this book right now. It's like, it's like, Ugh. and so I get really excited when, you know, it's called the, I call it the sweet spot where you finally get from what am I talking about? What am I doing to, oh my gosh, I can't stop the, this pen. So I'm writing a sequel to it right now. Um, I'm working on some um, engagements with local um, Memphis organizations. So I'll definitely keep you guys posted about that. Some collaborations going on. I'm really excited. Can't wait to share about that. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. That's great. And we'll, we'll definitely put all of those uh, uh, 
web the website and then all the social media handles and all that information in the uh, description so you guys can can check it out definitely get the book uh, Kimberly was raving about it um, and yeah we, we got to get some copies to uh, give out as gifts and then also we'll probably have some uh, like some I don't know a competition for questions or something if you guys want to get a copy in here just send in and, and, and talk to us and we'll help facilitate that but yeah, uh if you want to ask uh, uh cn nash any questions you know she is a professional and uh we can we'll put her email in you can send it through us and we can talk about these things and we'll hopefully she big time so hopefully we can get her back on here again <laughs> I, know. I know we love peon people <laughs> no but thank you so much nikki for taking taking the time to come on and uh help us out. I feel like it was helpful just for me this time, even just hearing your story and things like that. <clears throat> I definitely, um, yeah, definitely appreciate it a lot. Well, thank you guys so much. No problem. I Come love on. you and thank you. And for, and just closing us all out. Thank y'all for listening again and we'll catch you later. Bye.